because when the going gets tough, you're going to want to draw from those highlights to remind yourself that you've done really great things before, you've accomplished a lot before, you're successful, and this small setback is not going to get in your way and you'll be able to handle it just like you've been able to handle other setbacks along the way. Thrive friends, this is your host, Dr. Solomon. How to take your company from a startup to a grown-up. Today, I'm joined by my terrific professional colleague and friend, Alyssa Cohn, who will help us answer this tough question. She's the author of From Startup to Grown-Up, which is released on Amazon in October 2021. As many of you know, she has been named the number one startup coach globally in 2021 by Global Gurus, and she's named the top startup coach in the world at the Marshall Goldsmith Global Coaches Awards. Lisa Cohn, welcome again on Thrive. Thank you so much, Dr. Solomon. It is a pleasure to be with you always. Thank you. Congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. That was really a labor of love for me. So I appreciate that. I remember we talked about it when it was still in inception Yes, uh, last year, and yeah. it went online in such a short time. Well, I worked really hard, <laughs> and I stayed very structured and very disciplined to get it out. Let's start with the book. What gap does this book fill in the entrepreneurial library, Alyssa? So I have been inspired by the authors that come before me. So Ben Horowitz, who wrote The Hard Thing About Hard Things, and Jerry Colonna, who I quote in my book from Startup grown up. He wrote um, the, a book called Reboot the Art of Growing Up. And they both have a very personal journey to tell. So Ben really talks about his time at uh, LoudCloud and um, Jerry talks about his, ex his own experiences as a coach. I wanted to tell a story and, and you really, really help founders by pulling on my 20 years of coaching startup founders and other leaders to help them almost go step by step in what they need to know to build a business. So it's not just my story, it's the stories of all my clients for the past 20 years that are in lockstep to help uh, founders know what to do and also help founders know they are not alone. Thank you for sharing this. I noticed that you divided the book into three major sections, managing you, managing them, managing the company. Yeah. You walk us through these three overarching themes of your book. Yes. So when I start coaching someone, they come with a problem. The problem is the company's not performing. They come with a people problem. They come with a structure problem. And as we investigate it, it always turns out that the answer starts inside of them, right? That we can talk about how to handle metrics and kind of, you know, do all the things you need to do to manage people, but we really have to start with the founder, the CEO, the leader, and where he or she is coming from. And then we look at the system, the ecosystem around them, right? So the founders have employees, right? Leaders have employees and they're all working or not working in a good system or not a great system. And that's all like something we have to examine to figure out what's going on around here. And the third section is of course about the business because they're not just doing it, they're doing it to create an impact, to creating an output. And the output is a successful, thriving business. So I wanted to divide it up into those three sections so people could kind of follow along and figure out where do I need to go to find the answers that I'm seeking. Before we move on to the next part, I'd like to ask our audience to open a new tab and look up alyssacone.com. And don't forget to follow Alyssa on Twitter, Instagram at alyssacone, one word, and order the book from Amazon 
it is now available. Alyssa, you mentioned getting feedback from others in the first chapter. Why did you emphasize this notion so early in the book? Well, if you think about starting yourself as a founder, as a CEO, as a startup, of, um, a CEO of a startup, you have to really understand yourself, right? Your quirks, your strengths, your weaknesses, then your natural swings, the things you naturally stay away from, and you may have your own self-assessment, but you are the expert on your intention. Everybody around you is the expert on your impact. So you've got to figure out how what you're doing is landing on other people. You might think you're passionate. Actually, I work with a founder who is very, um, he knows that he's passionate. And he knows that he cares a lot. And he knows that he's also funny and gregarious and outgoing. People really cozy up to him. However, people who don't know him think that he can be overly intense, maybe even yelling, maybe even sort of overly dramatic. And if he doesn't get 360 feedback, he's never going to know about that. And what we don't see, we cannot change. So it's super important to get feedback from people around you because they're the experts on your impact, on how you're actually showing up. I love this notion, what we can't see, we can't change. Yeah. And I just want to mention, all of us have heard in the professional life about blind spots, the things that show up and they might be good blind spots. Like I don't realize how creative I am, but often they are bad blind spots. Like I don't realize how intensely I come across. I don't realize that people don't know what I'm talking about when I communicate. I don't realize that people feel excluded. Those blind spots can only come up, can only show up when you get feedback from other people around you. One thing that intrigued me in section two, managing them, is your advice to build a culture of scale. And I'm curious, how can entrepreneurs think about the culture of scale from day one? Yes, such a good question. I work with um, a couple of founders who spent in their first year or two, before they even had a product, before they had a website, I say this in the book, that um, they built, they really envisioned the kind of company that they wanted to build. They had a bunch of professional experiences from the past, some good and some not so good. And they spent a lot of time and energy thinking about when the company is five years old, is 10 years old, is 500 people, is 5,000 people, what do we want to be present? And they articulated that and codified that. And then once you have that codified, written down, you can hire for that, you can reward for that, you can encourage people doing that. So thinking about it on day one is going to help you build a culture intentionally and not what often happens at, at startups, which is accidentally. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Also in the same section, Alyssa, you spent a lot of time talking about self-care. Yes. And I'm curious why this is so important for startup founders. It's so important because founders are 30% more likely to become um, anxious or depressed as compared to their counterparts. So it's probably a lot of reasons why that is. I mean, if you're a founder, you're anyway maybe high strong, you're super self-determined and you might be very high achievement, which means you might also have a lot of critical voices in your head. One way or the other, you're also gonna be working a lot. Like, like the startup environment is an extreme work environment. So you need to figure out how to set your own boundaries, do your own self-care, by first of all, having bodily self-care, like as in getting enough sleep, getting up some exercise, eating well, those kinds of things to take care of the physical asset, your body. And then also 
Take care of your emotional assets, sort of the, the, your insides. And that means having friends around you, having other peers who can kind of relate to what you're doing. It also means developing your own rituals and tactics and strategies to um, help yourself get through difficult times. One strategy I talk about in the book is called building a highlight reel. And what that means is really thinking about your successes, the things you're proud of, the things you've achieved, and to kind of put that in your mind's eye on a daily and weekly basis. Because when the going gets tough, you're going to want to draw from those highlights to remind yourself that you've done really great things before, you've accomplished a lot before, you're successful, and this small setback is not going to get in your way and you'll be able to handle it just like you've been able to handle other setbacks along the way. And you yourself know the value of wellness and self-care and helping people thrive, even though they put themselves in extreme circumstances. Indeed, indeed. Something else that struck me in your book is the distinction between leadership and management. Yes. Yeah, why both are important? Well, I think both are important. So first of all, what I think people do is people will say, I'm not a great leader. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a great manager, but I'm a great leader. And they begin to subtly or not so subtly suggest that leadership is better than management. That somehow leadership is high status and management is, oh, that kind of not very important thing. And part of the point I make in my book is that it's important to recognize and privilege and, and upgrade your own idea about management. Now, leadership has to do with setting the vision, inspiring people, getting folks to follow you. Management has to do with kind of like cranking the machine, like making sure people are doing what they're doing, running performance management, making sure people are hitting their goals, all those kinds of things. They may sound mundane, but you can set the direction all day long and if people aren't going to actually do the tactical day-to-day -day work of what it takes to achieve that vision, your business is going to fail. So you have to make sure that you are paying attention to management, either doing the management yourself or hiring excellent managers and giving them positive feedback and a lot of status so people know that management is just as important as leadership. Thank you for sharing this and for clarifying this important distinction, but also necessity of both. Our audience, if you have a growing startup, take a moment to open a new tab and look up alyssacone.com and download her free guide to asking the right questions. It is meant to help you strategically prioritize your time and manage your team. And to remind you, buy her book, From Startup to Grown Up, from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Any other source, Alyssa? Uh, all the stores where you go to buy books. Oh, terrific. <laughs> all the stores. I would like to also add, actually, my book is focused on startup founders, but anyone who's developing as a new leader will also benefit from all the tools and insights in the book. And I would also add that people who are inside of companies, they can be known as intrapreneurs, not entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs who are doing entrepreneurial pursuits inside of their companies will also benefit from my book, From Startup to Grown Up. Thank you for sharing this. Based on your book, Alyssa, what would be three pieces of advice? for startup owners to thrive in the post-pandemic era? Ah, great question. I am going to pick one piece of advice from each section of my book. So managing yourself is, um, I would say, as we talked about, make sure that you have the systems and structures and rituals in place to take care of yourself for the long marathon that is a startup. From the idea of managing them, remember that each of your employees is an individual and you've got to figure out how to manage that individual um, for that person's needs, not for your needs, right? A lot of people will say, 
I'm not a micromanager or I'm this kind of manager. That's not helpful. What's helpful is to figure out what this person across from you right now needs. And the last part is about managing the business. And managing the business means that uh, my advice to you is to think about what are the key metrics that you need to measure and make sure you have mechanisms to measure them because then you'll know how you can mark progress. I couldn't agree more with you. The three advices you shared really hit the spot as someone who has his own startup and thinking about them. Yeah, they really make perfect sense. Speaking of thriving, Alyssa, this is a question I ask every guest on the show. You have been asked this question before. We all had setback where we managed to go from striving to thriving. Would you mind sharing one of yours and how you managed it? Uh, one of my setbacks and mm -hmm. how I managed it? Well, I have recently, um, coming out of the pandemic, I have recently, like many people, been thrown into a situation where quite suddenly I'm very busy with many, 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 many demands on my life, travel demands and client demands. And suddenly the sort of structure that I had created and the comfortable sort of cocoon I had created inside of the pandemic has been uh, really annihilated, like really quite violently broken up. And I'm now trying to put together kind of a new schedule and a new way of experiencing, you know, sort of a, a lot of things going on. So I've used the tool called reframing. So I can say I'm overwhelmed. I can say I'm busy. I can say, oh, I don't have a, a spare moment, but I have to remind myself that I'm doing the work that I love and I'm making a difference in the world. And I'm making a difference with my clients and I am privileged to live a rich and exciting and, and, and multifaceted life. So I don't have to do all these things. I get to do all these things. And that's the way I've reframed a lot of the challenges that I've been coming up against lately. And it's very helpful to shift that attitude. Oh, that is lovely. Uh, fun fact about Alyssa, she is a meditator and she exercises regularly. This is how you manage you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes. And she uh, published consistently her kettlebell. It's still after the pandemic, Alyssa? I'm still doing kettlebell quarantine. My last post was quarantine may be over, but kettlebells are forever. What a pleasure to have you on Thrive, Alyssa. My pleasure. It's such a pleasure getting to know you. You're a joy that I've gotten to know you during the pandemic through the cocktail parties that Dory and I hosted. And it's such a pleasure to see you thrive and to be, you know, comrades and colleagues with you. Thank you so much for saying this. People watching us, if you haven't done this already, open a new tab, look up alyssacone.com, download her free guide to ask the right question, especially if you are in the journey of startup to grown up. Don't forget to buy the book from Amazon or any bookstore. And until we meet next time, keep safe, keep motivated, keep resilient, and see you in the next episode of Thrive. Thank you.